You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome back to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. JB is out this week and after exhausting all other options for hosting, the Guardian reading tofu-eating Wokarate have been allowed to take over the hot seat. I'm your host, Josh, tonight, uh, and I'm joined by, um, after uh, three league wins in a row for the first time this season, it's good to have happy Jambo Graham Duthie back. How are you, Graham? I'm good, mate. I feel strange having you host this show for a change, but it's good. I know. Let's uh, let's let's know uh, tenth fate here, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and let's see how we go in here. Uh, we've also uh, of um, a different view, mother and off the ball fame. We've got Stephen Rayside. How are you, mate? Flying, absolutely flying. What a weekend! Can't wait to talk about it. Ah, you tell me you just came for your personal training trainer there, mate, pumping iron. But uh, Dave, uh, D- Dave uh, corrected me. He said he were pumping John O'Beaker. <laughs> I've been Saturday and Sunday just going with the host aye 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 good good <laughs> uh, also as you heard we've got regular podcast uh, re- podcast regular journeyman media mogul Dave Reid how are you Dave? yes very well thanks Josh all set ready to go for another podcast with the troops where were you at the football at the weekend Dave you're, you're here there and everywhere normally I don't know I, I was at Peter Hergen's Day United on Saturday Airgrating, um, but uh, a weekend where both old firm teams drop points doesn't happen often, and we'd really love to talk about the football. But in a world now enveloped by VAR, uh, we never really have that luxury. Um, but I tell you, Malone had a bit of luxury at the weekend getting a point at Celtic Park, which, um, to my recollection, only one other team uh, this season has managed to do. Um, Stephen, how was the game? Were you at the game? Yeah, I was at the game. I was actually in hospitality uh, in the, oh, the Celtic boxes, but I made sure to tell them all early on that I was a Motherwell supporter and, and just get that out of the way quick. Um, and then there was a lot of chat for the first hour, and then as it looked as if Celtic weren't going to get a result, things started to get a lot quieter than what we were playing as we were getting towards the serious end of the game. But listen, Absolutely ecstatic to come away if it's not about a point, especially with the run that we've been on, and hopefully now we can kick off. Aye, um, I mean, I, I watched, uh, having watched a bit of the game, I don't know, Celtic, they, they're feeling a wee bit like they're just kind of going through the motions lately. Um, I mean, they're, not, yeah. they're certainly not like they were last season, uh, and certainly they didn't really look. I mean, the, the, the first penalty, what, what the hell? It's Palma Day in there. Um, you know, that wee stutter and allows Kelly just that wee minute to make up his mind and he dives the right way. First of all, are you having, are you having the first pen? Yeah, I think the first pen is a penalty kick. I've got, I've got no complaints over the first penalty kick. The second one, I'm a bit more sceptical on, but um, because I think Stuart Kelly will come out and said he was told that if a player's not able to reach the ball, he was told in a meeting with the referees, if a player's not able to reach the ball and there's a pull in the shirt, they won't pull it back. So, for me, Mikey Johnson's not getting there. Um, and I'm just relieved that we got the goal, because if we'd have lost that game 1-0, it would have been very, very soft, I think, and very, very harsh on, on us to, to come away from that game with nothing. I mean, we restrict Celtic to, I think it's four shots on target, two of them are penalty kicks. And for me, if I'm if I'm looking at it, Celtics play very one-dimensional, to be honest with you. They kept trying to go to the wings, and all we were doing was saying, OK, we'll give you the wings, but we will camp people in that box and we will defend crosses all day. I don't think they've got the best out of Kyogo this season. For me, he's coming a lot deeper um, than what he would under Ange, and his strength's always been playing on the shoulder of the defenders. So I think they've got a couple of issues 
that they need to address and Celtic fans will hope they can address them quickly. I agree, mate. I, I don't think they're... Yeah, uh, and I say that, I mean, I say that as a Rangers fan. I, I still am obviously worried about playing them. Well, not worried, but I still obviously have my anxieties about, you know, when we do play them. Um, but, you know, they're, they're not the same Celtic as they were under Ange. They just... <laughs> You know, I mean, I mean, and we're saying this after they've absolutely pumped Aberdeen six 0 in the last um, domestic game. So, you know, there, there's kind of two ways of thinking about it. I mean, they've got Hearts in a few weeks, Graham. How are you feeling about the idea of facing Celtic at the moment? I'm never confident for these games, mate. I hate playing no form because we never turn up for these games. I think, especially the fact it's at Celtic Park. But I'd like to think we can do what Motherwell have done and St Johnson have done. I don't think that'll happen, to be honest, but I'm hoping that we'll get a decent performance. But, I mean, I've heard a lot of stuff the last couple of days or so, and Stephen knows this as well, about Motherwell going there and setting up defensively and, you know, being very negative, and that's not the way they should play. I don't know what folk expect. Motherwell have got a far lesser budget than Celtic. They can't expect Motherwell to go there, open up and get absolutely hammered. You're going to do what you think's right. Motherwell did that, and they deserve the credit for getting a point. And I said to Stephen yesterday as well, when they go 1-0 down late on, you're thinking, that's the game done. But they didn't. They threw bodies forward, they got the goal for the corner kick. It's a really deserved point. So I think the criticism that Motherwell are getting from some quarters about how they played is very unjustified. I, 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 look, I totally agree, mate. Um, you know, we, we spoke about this yesterday. If you want entertainment, go to the pictures. You know, <laughs> Um that's it. Uh, I think that was Bob. Was that Bobby Williams that said that? Um, <laughs> Good name, you know. I. I mean, the the, the thing is, I mean, Motherwell achieved more than nearly every other team this league has uh, this season has done in the league at Celtic Park. Is they they got a point, you know? Um, they took something away for the game. Now, for me, I, I as as an old you know as a Rangers fan, as an old firm fan, I feel that fans that are complaining about this, it's just bitterness. You know, it's bitterness that, particularly on that, that period between Saturday and Sunday, for Celtic fans, between that period between Saturday and Sunday, where they were still thinking, you know, Rangers are going to go to Aberdeen and make make up two points of the gap um, on the Sunday. You know, it was that kind of element of bitterness. Obviously, obviously we didn't, but there was that element of bitterness about, you know, the fact that, oh, Mother will have set up to do this and set up to do that. And what? You know, and what? You know, there's no... I mean, I've, I've heard loads of Celtic fans say, you know, there's a right way of playing football. No, there isn't. The right way of playing football is getting three points or getting, you know, a point away to a really hard game. Um, Dave, you having that? You having uh, Motherwell setting up? I mean, I'm mindful that we've got three uh, three lads for the quote-unquote smaller teams on the pod tonight. <laughs> Quote-unquote, quote-unquote. <laughs> well, first and foremost, Josh, uh, at least it was a lot better, a lot better showing from Aberdeen than it was from Aberdeen. I thought let it go, because quite simply, it was objective atrocious from the Dandy Dons. I thought let it go. Uh, in terms of the Marvel game, I, I watched the game back, and Marvel did show tremendous characters to come back and man it and then uh, score away on it. Uh, I think for, from Stephen's perspective, I think they must be pleased that they got a result of some some magnitude because let's be honest, the way Marvel, not the way they've been playing, but the way in which they've been getting results must be very frustrating from Stephen's perspective because um, Marvel are on the type of side that yeah, they're frustrated to watch the eye at times, but exactly the same time, they're not getting the results as well. That's probably the more annoying aspect to take out of it. So for Marvel, I think... I think you'd be biting your hand off for, for a one-inch draw uh, away at Celtic. Any, any side outside of the of Rangers, for that precise matter, would be biting your hand off a, a point in Celtic Park. But for a side of level, that just gives them a lot to build on uh, from, from moving forward. Because, yeah, I mean, I think Mubble's still got a lot of way to go. Obviously, Kevin Van Veen has obviously not specifically been linked with Mubble since the announcement, but... Uh, we don't want to, to go in again, but Motherwell do need that vocal point up front. They do need that number nine, and I think that's been telling. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know if Stephen agrees. I think if they had that number nine, there's no reason why they couldn't have won the game on Saturday. Uh, they probably 
probably needed that Van Veen type to maybe get them over that extra yard. But I don't know if Stephen agrees or not. Yeah, um, I think we created created a couple of chances, and it was just a case of them not falling to the right people. One fell to Dan Casey, who's a centre back, and one falls to to Harry Payton, who's a more robust midfielder and likes to put in tackles and, and put himself about. So, um, if the chances fall to Mika Berra, I mean Mika's been Mika's been a great signing for us. It's just I don't think we've been able to get him the service. He's got five goals, yeah. He would have had more than that had he potentially, if we, we'd have been a bit more solid defensively and creative going forward. But the pleasing aspect for me, Dave, was the goals that we've been considering are very, very soft now. When Stuart Kettlewell came in, he, he was known for making these sidecars to beat and defending first. And um, it was back to that on Saturday. So hopefully that's a reminder. Of, of what the squad's capable of because as I say we still carried a threat going up the other other way and I think that was maybe Aberdeen's fault in the, in the second half is that they maybe lost that wee bit of threat going the other way which is something that they, they managed to do in the first half I think against all firm sides you have to do that so I'm just hoping now that, that this is a catalyst and Van Veen I don't think we're in any position to sit here and say that we wouldn't take a striker that scored 29 goals in the league Back, I would open it, welcome it with open arms. Um, but whether it can be done financially or not is, is a different question. But no, and that's going to be the that's going to be the problem, Stephen. It's going to be fin- the financial aspect of it. That's going to be the most challenging bit as far as Mumble's concerned. But if they had somebody like Van Veen, let's be honest, Mumble would probably be head and shoulders to where they are right now. Yeah, no, we'd definitely be in a stronger position. Um, but. That gives us a platform. I was really worried that we would go there and get a doing. Even if we come away from that one and one, eh, losing one nil, sorry, I would, I would still be sitting here and saying, okay, we showed character and we lost with a penalty kick. So, um, no, we've got three games coming up now that are very winnable against Dundee, Ross County, and St. Johnson. And it is imperative that we pick up a minimum of six points from those three fixtures. And, and my. Do you think, um, yeah, the... Sorry, Kettlewell, does he not have a decent enough record at Celtic Park? I mean, you obviously won with Ross County and Celtic during COVID uh, with Ross County, and then that was another valuable point for him on Saturday. I don't think Mavo have, I don't think Kettlewell, sorry, has uh, been to Celtic Park since that win for Ross County over Celtic uh, during COVID. It's not just at Celtic Park, it's against Celtic and Rangers in general, I think. Our performances have been much improved. I mean, I'm sure Josh will be the first to tell you that the, the game at Ibrox, Rangers really got away with one that day. I mean, if if we had Mika Bayrev starting or Kevin Van Veen in our squad, we would have comfortably won that game, in my opinion, based on the chances that we had, particularly in the second half. Um, and then you look at the game at home against Celtic, we, we get a late equaliser and Celtic do what they do and go right up. That was in my head, by the way, when I seen 10 minutes for Andy Don, that they were going to gonna do it to us again and go and, go and get a, another late goal after we'd immediately equalised. But no, we, we've been in the majority of games, I think, apart from Aberdeen at home this season, we were quite out of it. So that's why I've never really shouted for Kettlewell to go or Kettlewell... I think that he is going to get the best out of this squad and he certainly proved that he can get the results when he first came in so he deserves time in my opinion On that matter though unless Motherwell was a bottom two club you'd like to think for a club of Motherwell's size that managers would be safe from their jobs I mean if, man, if managers like Kettlewell and Alexander Alexander's a prime example of this if he was to go eight games without a win which I think he did by understanding you could have a case for Kettlewell if he's getting an odd point here and there if he's getting an odd win here and there that's that's it's not success but that's um, stepping stones for Motherwell so to speak yeah yeah it's, it's certainly the minimum that, that that we expect is to pick up points every, every, every two or three games but um, no listen the run the run's been poor uh, and I, I just think it's a confidence issue though I think it's a confidence issue with players and I don't think as a manager you can really legislate for mistakes whereas with Alexander and Alexander's time I think he had two wins from January 
until the point he was sacked. So that was a long, long time. It was five months of football, I think, with, with two wins. Um, and we almost missed out in top six after making a flying start to that season. And, yeah, I just think that he maybe lost the dressing room. I have murmurs that he felt with Stephen O'Donnell and um, he, he was annoying a lot of the players. So I think once you start hearing that with his Zaketo, well, he speaks really well. He doesn't make excuses. You can see what he's trying to do. Um, it's just whether it pays off. I think that he's definitely the man for the job. And I'm, I'm excited now again to see what the next three games hold. But that is my level, and that could all change when we play Dundee on Saturday. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, uh, it's good to hear you're excited, mate, because I will tell you uh, a group of fans that are not excited, and that is Rangers fans. Um, we... <laughs> I mean, Celtic drew against Motherwell on Saturday. We went away to Petodre and had an absolutely sublime chance to close the gap by two points. And it it was an absolute... I don't even really know how to describe the game. Um, You know, I mean, I, I want to say we were terrible, but then I think, do you know what, actually, we peppered the fucking goal. I we, we, I we, well, I, I don't know. The thing is, lethargic maybe, Dave, but I, elements of, of lethargy in our play, but I just felt that we we peppered the goal. We forced, you know, at least four really good saves from Kelly Roos. Um I mean, how did you, as an Aberdeen fan, how did you feel things went on? I mean, obviously being gutted that he's drew. Um, well, we'll come to the penalty, right? Don't worry, Don't you worry about that, son. But, uh, uh, but how did you feel about Aberdeen in general? Well, before I start here, Josh, I was texting mates, not on the SFF chat, just to clarify, but I was texting mates in general on the 75th minute mark, saying, I think it's just whenever you won the up, obviously, I'm saying to people, this is a smash and grab job from Aberdeen because got the goal and then basically it was a bit of a backs to the wall, so to speak, in the second half. Aberdeen really, really threatened uh, Jack Butler the Rangers goal. So um, as for the game, obviously Aberdeen do do tremendously not get an opener. Uh, good kick out by Barus. Um, I forgot who headed on now, but uh, well headed on to Miofsky. Miofsky guides it beyond Butland. And uh, a very good finish. And I, I don't know if you agree here, Josh, but Jack Butland has been getting a lot of uh, been, been commended for his performances, both since he's arrived at Ibrox, but predominantly he's been uh, commended for his performances under Clermont. I felt he could have he left a lot to be desired yesterday for the goal. Uh, I felt he could have done a little bit better in terms of positioning, not in terms of saving the shot, whatever have you, but more in terms of position. I felt he could have been a little bit better in terms of positioning. Uh, Aberdeen obviously um, do do very very well to, to come in one at half time. The rest of the game there was chances for for both sides, but. There wasn't really anything to, to set the heaven alight. There wasn't anything that was jumping you off your seat. There was a few chances here and there for, for both sides. But the Rangers, I presume, got a, a boot up the bum at half-time from Clermont. Uh, came out for the second half and much more like them. But as I said, probably a little bit more with When I mean with Farjik, I mean in terms of the final ball. And ter- I mean in terms of the, the tempo and the intensity. Because, um, yeah, I mean, had... Had Rangers wanted it that bit more and the final pass has been a bit better, I'd argue that the game would have been um, gone and done and dusted within the switch of a light bulb. But yeah, I were resolute, but obviously Rangers, I felt they were lacking that final pass, my final ball, and it just quite simply wasn't there. Uh, and then obviously the penalty in the, the final minute is another story for another day, of course. But yeah, in terms of in terms of if Rangers had a bit more productivity about their play, um, the game would have been home and dry for a bit. Yeah, I think it's something for, for Clermont to look into. I think the, the whole penalty incident is taken away from um, a Rangers a decent half an hour spell in the second half, but first half they, they needed they needed a, a real look at how they were set up, the, the system and all that So. I think it's a disappointing point for Rangers because as much as Spitodre is a tough place for sides like Rangers to go to, in exactly the same sentence here, if Rangers want to be serious title contenders this season, 
And I mean, seeing these terrible contenders in terms of no eight-point gaps, then you should really be going to places such as Pataudry and carrying out this statement when it's come on, it's tremendously well so far to go to places such as Livingston against Hearts at Hamden or the Oaks Cup. Go to tough away venues, but also go to go play decent sides at home and put in, put in vintage statement performances topped up with results. There wasn't any of that yesterday. Yeah, there was good passages to play, but apart from that, it, looked, uh, it didn't look like the Rangers of previous with come on. I I mean look the, the, there's the, there's a couple of things um couple of things Dave right so for a start um for, for, so uh, there's an element of Butland doesn't cover himself in glory for the goal I'll, I'll I'll give you that right but what I'll also say is that headed assist uh, is it Sockler is that his name I think I I think I think that's his name that is one of the best Probably, headed. Yeah. Aye, that is one of the best headed assists you are ever going to see in world football, by the way. You know, and I know probably the ball out for the keeper helps him a wee bit. Um, but that is, you know, absolutely outstanding. It's a great finish too. Um I think it was it was two points dropped, definitely. Um look, I'm not being um, you know, the arrogant old firm fan when I when I say we should be going away to Petodri and getting three points. Right? We should we should be if you know if you know if, if I don't know if, if if Atletico Madrid should be going to Celtic and getting three points in the Champions League, then the same rules apply for us going away to every other team in the league. You know, we need to be winning Celtic these games. Celtic where the current mentality they have, the way they want to play, the way in which they show yeah. desire would not be dropping points at Petaudry like yeah, they no. just did. Yeah. Can I just make a point, sorry, that Celtic have already been to Petaudry, been to places like Fuck Park, been to Tynecastle. The only place they drop points is Hibs. They've been to all these tough venues that Rangers have still got to go to and they picked up points. And for me, that would be the worrying thing for me if I was a Rangers supporter, that they've got really tough games coming up and then they've got to go to Celtic Park in December. So... Before you know it, I'm sorry to say, if they don't go to these venues and pick up points, then the league will be gone by the 30th of December. Josh, there's a, obviously after Rangers get that penalty after the equaliser, there's a massive, massive chance for Sam Lammers. He's got a free header. He has to be scoring that. If he puts that either side of Roos, that's a winner. He has to be scoring that. I tell you, he hates scoring goals, man, doesn't he? Yeah. He hates yeah. it. Absolutely hate scoring goals. Um, and the thing about him, I've said this in the pod, this pod before. He does everything else pretty well, you know. He's decent link-up play. He's got good feet. He's got good, you know, flicks and good passing, and you know, gets himself into good positions. He cannot finish anything. You know, he could not hit the. What's the expression? Could not barn door a cow banjo or something like that. You know what I mean? He's absolutely, he's so frustrating, man. So frustrating. Um, but I, it's, it's a huge opportunity um, to to win the game and and break the the hearts of the Aberdeen fans. So, I mean, the thing is for me is we're crying out for a striker, another striker. I think Danilo's going to come good, but we're crying out for another striker in uh, January. We're also crying out for wingers. Um, no. There's a striker there at Pitodre. Um Now, I've asked about a few Aberdeen fans, Dave, uh, and... Um, yeah, I was busy tonight, so I didn't answer your question. Uh, the, the, the price, the, the price for, for Mayovsky, because um, he has a good player. A few players, you know, a few uh, friends of the pod and pod members have said varying prices between 5, 7, 8 and 10 million. We're just sitting that sliding scale. Yeah, I've not answered the question in the group chat because uh, I help at a youth club on a Monday night. So, uh, yeah, that's why I didn't answer the question. Um, I think for me, something in the region between five to seven million with potential add-ons because that's what served Aberdeen very, very well. Scott McKenna, uh, I think Aberdeen's done for a massive windfall. Lewis Ferguson moves on in, in Bologna as well. So, I think... I think if you were to ask me right now specifically, I would say probably six and a half million with add-ons. Can I throw out a question? 
Miofsky or Shankland? Shankland. I, knew that. I, thought, I, thought, I thought that's where Josh was going, actually, when he said about strikers. I thought he was going with Shankland. Well, I think, well, the thing is, Graham, um, well, we'll come to Shankland. Uh, uh, in my answer, Stephen, is Shankland. Um, I think, just think he's a better all-round player. Um, though, I actually think he would be a wee bit more difficult to get. Um, although he's older, I think he's more prolific. Do you have a Dean Celtic Rangers, though? Sorry to put in there, but do you have a Dean Celtic Rangers? Look, I mean, if the price is right, they will sell. You know, let's let's not pretend. Uh, let's not pretend that Aberdeen are in are in you know are in the same league. No, I'm not that. Aye, but you know, you know, what I mean, if the price is right, they've got they'll sell. I, I think. I mean, the, the fans would hate it, but do you know what, Aberdeen, let's just suck up, boys, because um, you, you know he's on the. He's on the in our in our level, you know what I mean, um, Dave. I can see you screwing up your face at me there. Um, <laughs> but the answer uh, to your question, Stephen, is Shankland. Uh, uh, you know, he's a better all-round player. I think it'd be more difficult, and I think actually Shankland is more important to Hearts than Mayovsky is to Aberdeen. I think Aberdeen lose Mayovsky. I think they would probably take the money, invest it, and they'd be able to. You know, move on. I think well, Hearts would do the same. I think Shanklin would be a bigger loss. Would you agree, Graham? Oh, 100% he would. He's that's 37 goals in the 68 games. He's massive for Hearts. You know, we can't afford to lose him. He's also still under contract. He's got two years left. We can't afford to lose him for me. Now, my worry is that in January, if a big offer comes in, we would turn it down. I hope so. But we can't afford to lose him. Not now, anyway. We need to get third place, and he's a big part of that. We scored 25 goals this season, and he's responsible for most of them. So we really can't afford to let him go. Well, I mean, he's, he, he managed to get you three points on Saturday, Graham, uh, in a 1-0 win. Um, how far it's been? Three in a row for the first time this season in the league. Uh, obviously, there was the set, there was the um, semi-final among that with Rangers, but uh, you know, we, if we're talking league form, three in a row. How have he been lately? I don't want to sound arrogant, but that stat that we've not won three league, three league games in a row for two years is an embarrassment for a team like Hearts. That should not happen, but it has. But yeah, we've not. I still don't think we're pulling up any trees. To be honest, I thought Saturday was we ground it out. I thought St. Johnson did very well with the fear of Kugovine. He didn't get the booze he was hoping for. Um, but it was very it was very flat at times. I thought the atmosphere was quite flat. It was very slow, very predictable, very one pace. We don't have a lot of pace. And I've said that numerous times about Hearts. We are really missing Josh Ginelli. We've not really replaced him. But there were moments in the game where I thought we looked all right. There was a great move in the first half with Cochrane. If he'd scored that, one of the goals of the season, the move was brilliant. But I've not seen enough for that. I thought against Motherwell we were decent, to be fair. The Livingston game before that, again, we completely dominated, but Livingston were awful. So there have been moments in games, but I still don't think we're anywhere near the level we should be. And I said in one of the earlier podcasts that I went to an event before the season started. Um, and it was like an open training session. And Naismith talked about wanting to play attacking football. I've not seen that yet. You know, he's now this season in all competitions had 20 games. He's won nine, lost nine, drawn two. It's not it's not been brilliant, but if he keeps winning games, all that matters. But he's got big games to come. Kilmarnock on Saturday away from home is a difficult game. Then we've got Rangers at Tencastle next week, and we've not laid the glove on Rangers for far, far too long. So that's a massive game. But there's still a lot of Hearts fans are not convinced by Naismith, and I get it, because I'm still the same. But three wins in a row... I'll take it all day long, but I just, I just want to see better football because it's been it's been very poor to watch. Do you, I mean, what I mean, what do you think the issue is, Graham? I mean, is what what areas of the pitch do you feel you need to say? I mean, the thing about Hearts for me is that you know when I watch them, I always hear people say you know Hearts have got a brilliant squad. But when I watch them, I'm never really that enamoured by a lot of their players. Uh, I think Vargas looks quite good. Uh, you know, he's got pace. Um, I think Shankland obviously is good. Boyce is good. I mean, th- there are good individual players in there, but I just don't think, you know, I mean, for for example, if if you were to be offered, I don't know, 
if 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 the Hearts uh, board turned around tomorrow and said, right, we're going to get rid of Stephen Naismith and we're going to bring in Stephen Robinson, would you take it? Probably. And I've seen a lot of Hearts fans as well because now that um, I've seen a lot of focus on say what Neil Warnock sorry, but it's a no for me. The guy's about 80 years old. He's done a great job, don't get me wrong, but nah, it's not the way I want to go. And people then start saying, bring in Dick Campbell. No, nah, I love Dick Campbell, but just no, just please no. But yeah, I just think that he seems to now set up a formation. He's got 3 5 2. The three at the back does work. But the issue that I've got is there's not a lot of pace in that team. You know, when you are, and this is no disrespect to the guy because I do like him, but when you're playing Alan Forrest as a wing back, there's a problem there. He's not a wing back, he's a winger. And he's a really good one as well, but he's playing wing back and that's not his position. I think talking left hand side is really good. I'm a massive fan of him. But we're not getting the best out of players that I think are are at a better level than this. I still believe we've got the third best squad in Scottish football. And listen, George, you'll know this as a Rangers fan. I'm a huge fan of Alex Lowry. I love the fact that when he gets the ball, he wants to try and make things happen. He wants to be positive. His first thought is always forward. He didn't have a great game on Saturday. He's had a couple of things that didn't quite come off and he got taken off. But we just don't have enough pace in that team. And it's been an issue that I've spoken about for a long, long time. We've not replaced Janelli. We brought in Tagawa, who's been injured for a long time. We brought in Vargas, who has had moments in games, but he's only scored one goal so far this season. It's the pace for me that's the problem. That midfield. I love Benny, but he's not got pace. And again, I look at that midfield and there's there's not a lot of goals in midfield. Benny doesn't score goals. Devlin doesn't score goals. Neuenhoff doesn't score goals. We've brought in George Grant, who, again, is flattered to see, so we don't get enough goals from midfield. And this just comes back to the earlier point about Shankland. If he goes, I can't see where goals are coming from because Boyce has only scored one goal this season as well. So that's my worry. If Shankland leaves, other players may step up and right now that's not happening. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I've I've been impressed by uh, Lowry as well. Um, typical me to uh, talk about the Rangers loanee. Um, I mean, if there was, I mean, I hope I hope this is not the case because I want to retain him as a player. Um, but if there was an offer there made to you um, to, um, you know, for for a shank, some sort of a Shankland Lowry swap in cash, would you be interested? It would depend how much Rangers offer. Now, I put on Twitter a couple of weeks ago for our Hearts fans to basically reply to and about 30,000 folk viewed it and got back to me. People are saying at least 5 million for Shankland, which I would probably agree with. I think it's certainly between 5 to 7 million I would take. And if that also included Alec Lowry, I would take it. I mean, the guy's only 20, but I think he's a really good footballer. He's showing his mother about what he's got. He's real quality. And I think we do need somebody like that. But the question would be, if we did lose Shankland, could we replace him? Now, I know that I've said this to Stephen yesterday. I spoke about the fact that, see, if we had a chance to take Kevin Van Veen, I'd take it. The guy knows the Scottish League. He's a natural goal scorer. If we were to lose Shankland but replace him with Van Veen, I'd take it. Probably be a decent show. Um, another guy you've got up top is uh, Kenny Vargas, who... Surprisingly, I mean, I mean, everybody's talked about Todd Cantwell's dive at the weekend, but there's very little I feel being made about Kenny Vargas. Um, right, guys, one question for you. You're in the Olympics. You're the judge, right? It's the it's time for the gold and silver medal, right? Who's taking the gold? Who's taking the silver? Todd Cantwell or Kenny Vargas? Dave? Paul Cartwell, gold, uh, Vargas for the silver. Graham? I'm going to go against the green here and probably go for Vargas just because it was so funny. For the gold. For the gold, right? Stephen? Sorry, I was reading something there. What was the question? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I missed it. Right. Olympics. You're in the Olympics. It's the final final of the uh, diving, right? You have the gold and silver medal. Cantwell Vargas. Cantwell Vargas, you've got the gold and silver medal. Who's getting the gold? Who's getting the silver? 
Todd Cantwell, because he seems to do it every other game, and I think this is an isolated incident with Vargas. So Todd Cantwell will get gold, and I'll give Vargas the silver. Do you know what I would do? Do you know what I would actually do with guys to, to help eradicate it for the sport? I'd make it a red card. Red card. Red card offence, would you? Yep. And Get, stop it. Guys, go along with that. If it, if it means we're going to stamp it out of our sport, then absolutely. I mean, see, for me, right now, I'm going to come in with an absolute piping hot take here. Um, I mean, for me, the thing about diving, it's a, 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 a for better or worse, right, for better or worse, cheating exists in football, right? And it exists in a, a whole spectrum of levels, right? No, cheat, no, at the very low level, you have. Both, you know, when a ball goes out for a for a throw in, you have both teams claim it. Doesn't matter, you know, what happened. It could come off. You know, the, any player could kick it out. The other team will definitely try and claim for it in some capacity, right? Now, is that not cheating, or is it just a lesser? It's, I mean, it's a slightly lesser form of cheating, right? But then we take it up to we take it up to diving. Now, now I agree, diving it needs to be eradicated, right? But see, for me, you also, you, you get another form of diving as well. You get times when players go down and they've they've went down anticipating contact and the contact's eventually arrived. I think, see with Kenny Vargas and, and Todd Cantwell, I think they've tried to con the ref anticipating that there will be contact coming and the contact never arrived and it looks a lot worse than it is. Well, well I'm not saying it looks a lot worse than it is. It, it, it looks terrible. I think it's it's hard to eradicate diving from the game. Um, I, to be honest, I don't know how you eradicate it from the game. Thankfully, uh, with, with VAR, that is one aspect of it. With VAR, you're probably unlikely really to get a, a penalty like Cantwell's um, in, in the game right now. But I also think... You know, it happens in every single league gone. You know, every league in, in, in the world over. And I'm all right, here's another piping hot take. If Cantwell wins a pen there and we score it and it finishes one one Aberdeen, you bet your bottom uh bottom dollar that I am absolutely over the moon and I'm no you know I'm no um, slating Cantwell for diving because he's earned us a point. Oh, man. Josh, I'm just, just going to go back. I'm not going to criticise you here as a Rangers fan, but I'm going to go back to two weeks ago against Livingston, Ross McCausland. That's a dive, and he gets a penalty for it. Fucking hell, of course he does. Right, uh, yeah, well, no, right, so, so this is what I'm saying, Graham. right? This is one, the, the McCausland one for two weeks ago, I'd argue it's one of the ones that I'm talking about there where he's gone... Where he's where he's went down soft, anticipating the contact. It's I mean it's a dive, right? Obviously it's a dive, right? I'm not trying to deny the, the fact that it's a dive, right? But I feel that he's went down, um, thinking that you know that kind of split second in his head. He's went down thinking I'm going to get a pen here, you know, because the the, the contact's coming, and if I go down, I'll get my team a pen. Uh, he did get his team a pen through a dive, um. <laughs> But it's a spectrum, Stephen. I, I want to throw a counter-argument. I get, I get what you're saying about anticipating contact. For me, if it's a challenge that is going to be a leg break or a cause-series injury, then fair enough, jump out of the way. But, right, that, but with the Ross McCausland situation for me, the goalies always try to smother the body's feet. Why not just wait for the contact? That That's not going to injure you. So he's, he's trying to con the ref there for me a wee bit. Let's I was just going to say, let, let's be honest, right? Let's just imagine the scenario, right? Euro, 20, Euro 2024, Scotland gets a similar penalty from that. We're not complaining about that. We are taking it all day long. <laughs> oh, that's that's so a good point. I, I, imagine, imagine it. You know, Euro Euro 2024, the final at the, let's say, the Stadium, isn't it? Scotland, England, you know, the 90th minute, it's now now. And 
Che Adams goes down, you know, like a fucking I'd have the dive on a t shirt. <laughs> exactly, exactly. He'd be like Maradona, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, um, but like, I, I agree, right? Look, it needs to it needs to be eradicated for the sport, right? But I think we also need to look at. I think we need to acknowledge that cheating exists in many different forms in the game, right? There are very subtle, small ways of cheating that teams use to try and gain an advantage. There's no player, no player that's a hundred percent got a hundred percent integrity in the game. Um, you know, players, Box players will. Sorry, boxers about word for cheating. So what was that, Dave? Sorry. Sorry, I was coughing there. I'm saying boxers a big word for cheating. Yeah, yeah, that is that is. Um, so I, I mean, I think, um, yeah, I think it's it, it's going to be difficult to eradicate. I think we probably need to take steps. Is is making diving a red card defence. I mean, I see, I see the point you're making, Stephen. But then I also think to myself, well, what if somebody, and maybe that, what if somebody goes doing it and has they dived, but he's then given a red card? But that's where you'd like to think that VAR. I, I, but you would... get that, you get that subjectivity with anything. Look at Greg Taylor's tackle. Yeah. At, at the weekend, he was given a yellow card, and I mean, there's a lot of people that are saying that that that's a red. And for me, I agree it is a red card. Uh, because there was there was a situation that James Brown up at Ross County gets sent off for something very similar. But then you'll have subjectivity with everything in football. I mean, VAR was meant to eradicate this. If anything, it's made it ten times worse. Aye. Um, uh, oh, I, I, I mean, VAR has made it uh, ten times worse. Guys, I mean, ugh, look, we're not going to spend the whole fucking pod talking about VAR, right? But just... In a one, bin or keep VAR and bin it. Bin. Bin. Graham. I think it's difficult because it's not VAR that's a problem, it's the refs that use it. So I think it's difficult. <laughs> bin the refs then. <laughs> what, I will say, what I will say to elaborate, sorry guys, is. Mick Mulvaney, the SFA president, was always going to go and defend his officials and most importantly the system, hence why he came out in the Daily Mail and says, oh, it's all fantastic, it's all hunky-dory with VAR. When it's anything but the case. I mean, we're seeing controversy left, right and centre. We're seeing issues left, right and centre. I've made a point in a few columns that I've done for like local clubs and the match programmes and things like that. Because uh, I write for the Peter Hound match programme. And I've made the point on, the, on that on their columns about uh, yeah we should really be I'd rather be having a pint of a sat with mm-hmm. thinking about what Crawford Allen has done uh, at Hamilton against St Mirren when he's when he's seen it in front of his own eyes rather than a monitor. Are you uh, are you going to talk about the Rangers penalty yesterday? Because Barry Robson wasn't happy. Look right, see for me. I'll, I'll give you my, my toppings. Soft, soft penalty, right? But the short pull, he's gave him a decision to make. And l- let's be clear, Nick Walsh went over to the monitor and he had a really right good look at it. He sat for, you know, he stood for maybe, I don't know, 40, 50 seconds looking at it for two different angles and he looked at it and he decided it was a pen. Now, this is where the subjectivity comes into play. Nick Walsh probably knows a lot more about refereeing and, and the rules of refereeing than any of us. It's not to say that he's right, because another referee might you know, make a different decision. Um, I think, to be honest, I think this, the, the timing of it and the fact that it was Rangers probably a wee bit of sour grapes for Barry Robson. I don't think if it was, if it was a... Ross County in the fifty third minute of the game, I don't think he's coming out with that same reaction. Uh, Dave, a pen, what are you think? Yeah, he's he's obviously yeah, came out in the post match press, and obviously uh, there's been a lot of anger from from his perspective. What was it, two two and a half minutes or three minutes or so away from getting a precious three points? When, as I've alluded to Josh, it was a bit of a backstone wall display in the second half. 
Uh, if you like, if you like sorry to be loving, you've every right to feel uh, exaggerated by how the whole uh, tale is, is, is unfolded. So, yeah, I think as far as Robson's concerned, I, I think because correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Uh, I think there was a similar, not similar incident to yesterday, but I'm glad to believe there was a similar VAR uh, problem. They played. I forgot who they played. Oh, it was uh, Hart, Peter Haring. It was Peter Haring at Ibrox. No, it, it was an Aberdeen game. Uh, it was oh. what was the game? They lost the game. I'm adamant it was no, it wasn't I'm adamant it'll come to me. It'll come to me. But yeah, I know Robson was uh, angry with that. I never had a decision earlier in the season. So yeah, these things are are, are definitely uh, annoying him. Let's be honest, he's not got away from it. So, yeah, I think Barry Robson's been too reactionary here. See, from a neutral point of view, right, we've seen instances, there was one on Saturday with Mikey Johnson, we've seen instances where penalties are given for this. Seeing Gartman's case, when you're 1-0 up in the 90th minute, why are you pulling the jersey? Why? And I know it's instinct, I know it's reactionary, but... You're giving the referee a decision to make. We can argue we're blowing the teeth. We're blowing the face, sorry, blowing the teeth. I don't know what it's like. Hope I'm not getting blown teeth. But, uh, anyway, um, you can argue you're blowing the face um, about whether Goldson's getting the ball or not. But you're in that situation where Rangers are getting panicky because it's getting towards the end of the game. Don't give the referee a decision to make. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit like the um, it's a bit like the one at Celtic Park, isn't it? I, I don't think Goldson's going to get there, but because you know, because could could he have got there? You know, very possible, not very possibly. I don't think he was, but possibly. Um, and the shirt pulls there, and he, as you say, he gives the referee a decision to make, and uh, obviously Tavernier sticks it away um, as he normally does. Uh, I've got to say, though, as a fan. That was a nervous uh, couple of minutes um, watching him because he's missed a couple lately, which is uncharacteristic of him. But I tell you, lads, on VAR, there was no VAR in the Scottish Cup third round. The, In my view, one of the greatest rounds of any cup. Um, I mean, the, 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 I mean, the round just... Absolutely threw up some fucking great results. For me, um, you're really looking... I, I, I mean, I think for me, probably resulted around Bucky Thistle 2-2 against Broxburn, then beating them 5-4 on pens. Um, I mean, you've also got some incredible Bucky games. Bucky had there. nine men as well, Josh. Nine I, men. I, 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 I've seen that. Um, Annan 4, Dumbarton 5. You know, after extra time, um, you know, just it's just some great. The, the one that stuck, the, the tie. Sorry, you're you're spewing if you're box burn. Oh, oh, you're raging, mate. You're absolutely raging, aren't you? Um, the the other one that the one that uh, popped up to me was no for the um the result, I suppose, but the actual just the magic of the cup. Prora uh, won Pollock now. You know, what I mean, he's a Pollock fan. That's just. What a fucking away day that is, all the way up to Brora and the supporters bus and that. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, you get into the next round and the fourth round, and the video of the Bucky Thistle boys um, celebrating, uh, you know, getting Celtic and the Draw lads. Um, absolutely spectacular, eh? Um, the draw itself, in terms of uh, the next round, uh, are we all seeing the draw? Yep. Uh, what what are we thinking? Uh, what what ties are uh, jumping out at us? Spartans v Hearts. Get that played at Eastern Road. What a trifecta that is. Two of them clubs playing at Hibs. That would be mental. That for me is a tie. I'm sure that will be the Friday night game on the telly on a Monday night. Graham, you having you having that as this second Edinburgh derby? Oh, I never had that. I can look forward to thinking we've actually won it. Oh, I can't wait, man. It's a brilliant tie for both teams. I think it holds about 3,000 to Ainsley Park. I think they'll keep it at Ainsley Park. I know somebody that actually works at um, Spartans and he has said that they think they will keep it there, which is right. 
It's a match of the yeah. cup. I know where they'd want to move it to Easter Road to get more fans in, but it's an match of the cup. You want to have it at your own ground. It'll be a brilliant atmosphere. I don't know how many Hearts fans will actually get to go, but honestly, it's a great tie. I'm buzzing for that. It'll be a great, it'll be a great occasion. I think it will be on telly as well. I don't think it'll be a night game. I think it'll be on the behalf of on a Saturday. But what an occasion that'll be. I can't wait. Decent. Uh, Dave, um, I mean, you know, give us your thoughts on the the, the, um, the draw itself, obviously, but uh, Aberdeen, I think he's got Clyde away, didn't he? Um, aye, aye. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you, I was speaking to a good Aberdeen pal of mine today, we're both, we're both a bit nervous for this one for, for some odd reason, uh, because, yeah, Clyde's obviously not doing well with two just there, but... I think I think we need a, a big result, uh, especially after how how Davos had all unfolded last year. Uh, I think we need a big result in the Scottish Cup, and I think we're in a different position this year. But I do think we, we still need that different result because you you look at what happened at the weekend with with Dungey to get beat by between the side, and Junkinwood's got that deja vu about him, isn't he? Uh, that that's that was an absolute. He won't want to use the word embarrassment, but it quite simply was embarrassing because considering the plight and the disarray that Queen of South had found themselves in prayer to play Dungey on Saturday. So, yeah, that was a, that was a disappointing one. So for Aberdeen, we, we've got to be extremely vigilant about Clyde. I mean, Clyde, I think they'll be buoyant after the appointment of Ian McCall. Um, a, a man that could still... Yeah, he's got a bit of a dinosaur vibe to him, but he's, he's a guy that could probably still offer a lot to the game in terms of getting success developing players you see what he did with Air United and developing the likes of uh, Shanklin and who was that other guy who played for Hearts at the time then Shanklin did a, did a trio three at Air United when McCall was in charge then Moffat and Shanklin and somebody else it was Declan McDade wasn't it it was Declan McDade I think yeah, Declan McDade was there aye, aye. aye what, a, what a trio they had and McCall even though it didn't peter out the the way he wanted it to part of this or did tremendously well. So from an Aberdeen perspective, I think we'll be professional off, but at exactly the same time, I'd be a little bit wary about uh, the, the threat Clyde will provide in this game as well, because I think Clyde will, will improve under McCall because, uh, yeah, he's the type of guy that can turn things around and I think he's slowly shown that, especially with the result over Genefield uh, on, on, on Friday evening. For Bucky, delighted for Bucky because I've got a few pals that, that are part of the squad. Uh, so I'm delighted for, for all those at Bucky that they've got the chance to play Celtic. Uh, I know Jack McKeever quite well because I was with him at Peterhead last year. and uh, I was delighted for Jack. We were speaking last night and I, he, was, he was over the moon because he's, he's a Celtic fan. So I was delighted for him. Uh, my best mate's uh, the right back who's just waiting to get a testimonial at Bucky. So I was delighted for him as well. Uh, so I've He'll be probably be getting wound up near the time, uh, considering he's a he's a probably be playing at Celtic Park for Bucky. So, uh, yeah, I was delighted for my mate, and he was getting he was getting that's for sure in the group chat last night. Uh, and yeah, uh, yeah, there's there's a few of us that I, I know very well. So I'm quite close with some of the Bucky players actually. So it's obviously uh, good for, from their perspective to get Celtic. Uh, who else springs to mind? Four friends, Hibs. I was going to say, Dave, if you're a kit, if you're a Kilmarnock or a Dundee fan, you are absolutely fizzing, aren't you? I mean, the oh, I've the I've seen a few of the fans on social media. They were they were angry. both round yeah, draw. Were... You're raging, aren't you? You're getting a, another Premiership team. Absolutely willing. Yeah. I think both of them clubs, Bucky or Broomhill, whatever have you. Absolutely. I, I was sitting there, it was getting later and later in the draw, right? And Mother will have to been pulled out yet, and Celtic and Rangers are still in the hat. And I'm going, please, dear God, no, please, don't, don't, don't. Because you want to run. That's one of the best things in a, se- a season as a supporter. Oh, it's a good tie Yeah, yeah. If you don't, if you don't uh, get a decent away trip, the second thing you want after that is, is a winnable tie at home, isn't it? So. Listen, it gets us in the competition. That I know, this these comments could seriously come back to bite me. I'm no, I'm no trying to be disrespectful to Alloa. I mean, they have beat us uh, the last time they played us in the cup at Fuck Park uh, in the nineties. They, they beat us in the week cup and put us out in penalties. So, um, no, with all the respect to Alloa, it's a game that we should be winning and and we should be getting into the last sixteen. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy. Yeah. Josh, by the way, uh, Graham Stewart, the Bucky Fissel manager, he hadn't seen the draw 
uh, he was with his family at the Christmas markets last night in, in Aberdeen. Although I don't know why, because the Christmas Fantastic. markets in Aberdeen, the Christmas markets in Aberdeen aren't exactly that great. Uh, probably over budget uh, as per usual. But um, Spider, as is nicknamed, uh, he was saying that uh, he was at the Christmas markets with a family uh, drinking mulled wine, and uh, he got a text off of one of his players saying he got four for at home. I tongue in cheek, by the way, I mean, right, and then right, uh, right. Um, he bobbed into an old coach's uh, at the Christmas market. And he's like, I have, I've got four for a home. And he's like, No, no, you've got Celtic away. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely. That, hey, look, that, I mean, that is truly the magic of the cup, isn't it? Um, and, and, I mean, you think about how much money that will bring into Bucky. Uh, hopefully, uh, you've, you've got to hope that. that you know the Celtic fans. I think a lot of the time at the early stages, I Brooks and all, but Celtic Park as well. Um, a lot of the time in the early stages, the the cups you can tend to get kind of lower attendances. You know, are in the kind of thirty thousand, forty thousand mark um, instead of the kind of full stadium. But you'd like to hope that as many of the Celtic fans will turn out for for Bucky to get that kind of get the seat halved. Um, so uh, I fantastic. Um, the other thing you uh, did text me at the weekend, Dave, you texted me with a dick out at the weekend, didn't you? <laughs> oh no, oh no, sorry, was that sorry, was that dick was that di- oh dick cat, what you mean? Sorry. Sorry, mate. Before we start with that, before we start with that, uh, I know did I use notes from Rick Rover's team lines from Friday night. Uh, What's that no. what do with your dick? <laughs> no, I think I think I did see that to be fair. So. What was it? What was it? So basically, Liam, Liam Dick wasn't playing for Rafe Rovers, so Rafe Rovers had put in the team line and said, Team News, well, <laughs> oh, it didn't did. even come up with the line Team News, it just came out, it was starting, the first uh, paragraph was Dick Out. Dick Out. <laughs> <laughs> Love that, man. Sure, there was plenty of like that in full time. What a result for Rafe as well, by the way. To go to Dunfermline and win 3 0, that's a brilliant spanked them. Spanked them. Absolutely spanked them, you know. And, and Rafe, by the way, uh, hey, you know, in the next tie, I know, I know we're kind of going, um, we're, we're, we're kind of going back muscles a wee bit here, but you know, a way to Livy, Wraith are going, Wraith are going really well, you Win know, live in Livy, aren't they? So that's a horrible tie for Wraith. You look at other ties like LDB St Johnston as well. Yeah, that's that's a tie that could go either way. But what do you, what do you make of Dabrowski, the 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 they've goalkeeper, giving it a bit after the penalty save? Do you rate it or do you think it? I love all that. I like it. I like it. I've got a character in the game. Love it. Love it. Love all that, man. Or that winding folk up and shithousery. It's just fucking brilliant, that. Definitely. No, definitely. Remember Dick out at Gayfield, Josh, as you were saying? Aye, Dick is out at Gayfield. The Dick's are out at Gayfield. Seven years, man. And finally... Well, there's two dicks at Gayfield, actually. Oh, no, no, no. Campbell's it. Campbell's Sorry, two dicks at... Oh, there's not... He's having his breath, having his breath. Well, mind you, mind you, Rob Douglas might be a bit of a dick. I've never met him. Um, but they've... Uh, no, they've uh, they've got rid of the whole management team, um, which is... Um, I, I mean, f- for me, it, it was a real sh- surprise. And I think probably for everybody in football... Um, came as a bit of surprise, um, you know, straight after. You know, after they um, they went out of the weekend, um, and it was a shock defeat. Um, it was a shock defeat to Spartans. Although Spartans are a good club, but I mean, the club just came out and said they, you know, they wish to place um, on record sincere gratitude um, to the management team. Wonderful efforts, one of the most successful periods in the club's history. All the best for the future. The way it was kind of worded, it's almost as if that Campbell resigned. But then, you know, the, then the whole management team went. Um, I mean, Dave, you know our both quite well. Yes, yeah, um, Stuart Malcolm's the only one that stayed at the club. Uh, everybody else has practically resigned. Uh, I'm led to believe, I uh, wasn't in the game, but I'm led to believe through social media that Dick... Uh, had been falling out with supporters after the game. The supporters obviously made their feelings known uh, full-time. Uh, I don't know how... I've, there was a couple of things in Pine Bovril, but I never got to click on it to see how uh, serious it got. But I did know there was 
a few supporters irate with how the whole uh, thing went with uh, the, the, the game on, on Saturday as a whole. Um, I was about to use Saints of Broth last Saturday, yes. Uh, I went up to Wales before any of you ask. And uh, yeah, there was a lot of Broth fans angry with, with Dick after that game at the U Saints uh, last weekend, just in terms of the way Broth played. And I'm led to believe Rab Douglas had to uh, keep Dick back because uh, a supporter was quite uh, a supporter was very angry with how they played, and Dick was uh, keen to go for one of these old school bandy waggies, uh, sorry, old school fights with, with the supporters. So yeah, um, I, I, I know with, I know for a fact that things have gotten a bit stale at the club, both the, the management perspective, but also from the fans' perspective as well. It's been interesting one tomorrow night, obviously tomorrow night, Tuesday, of course. Um, because we're obviously recording Monday night. It's going to be interesting when Stuart Malkin being in charge with an interesting thing here, Josh Graham and Stephen is obviously Liam Craig's uh, going to be involved in the short term with Barry Sellers and uh, Liam Craig's an interesting one considering he's a no real affiliation with a growth. He's obviously uh, must know Stuart Malkin or, or, or Barry quite well. and uh, It's obviously a, a decent enough coach to take care, especially a guy that's been there playing. But for Dick... Massive disappointment that obviously him departing his position at a broth because what a legend, what a character of in Scottish football. Uh, but we'll say it as it is. And I think that's gone from the game now. I think the saying it as it is is gone from the game now. Uh, I think the, the brutal honesty that we'd like to, to see amongst managers, I think the brutal honesty we'd like to see in Scottish football, the modern game, is well and truly gone now. And let's be honest. There's a lot of people saying on like social media, Pi Bovril, that it was a team that had gotten stale. And to a certain degree, I, I agree, but at exactly the same time, it's it's a team there that's been there for ages. Like Tam O'Brien and Ricky Little, uh, very, very good defensively. Derek Gaston, arguably one of the best goals in the Championship for me. Uh, Michael McKenna did very, very, very well two seasons ago to be top scorer in the Championship. Uh, They've obviously got who else? They've got Jay Bird who could score goals. Jermaine Hilton's had a really good start to the season. Uh, he's likely to go full time in January. Uh, I don't want to really be going out say much of that matter, but yeah, there's obviously David Gold as well. David Gold's a, a really underrated player for Abruff in terms of the way he plays. So they've got a lot of good players at Abruff. They, they probably need somebody to, to take it to that next level. But there was a good article today by Ewan Smith and the Kenya. Ewan's a, a, a massive Abro fan, he's a diehard, and he, he gave six reasons why Dick should be a legend. One was for winning the League 2 title, the second one was for winning the League 1, league one title, third for obviously near promotion to Premiership, five seasons in the Championship, and then there's been other things as well. What just yeah, what a job he's done, Gayfield. Where did they go next? Fascinating reading and Pine Bovril, I could tell you that for nothing because. A lot of people thinking John Hughes should be the extra growth manager, which I'm finding interesting because there's a bit. Can I throw a name in? Aye. What was that, mate? Can I throw a name in? I would throw throw it. Throw it on the pipe. Mick Kennedy from East Kilbride, whether he would be looking to move up there, but he's done a good job at Darbo. Started on fire East Kilbride. I think he deserves a stint in management in in one of the, the, the bigger leagues. Uh, I think Dave. I, I, that, that, I was, am, that was the point I made yesterday. Would he, would he travel to Albrooks? Um, oh, Josh, you're waiting for it. I'm, I'm going to recuse myself from this conversation, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Mick Kennedy, Stephen, is a bit of a uh, running, a, a bit of a Mick Kennedy and Darvel are a bit of a uh, running uh, gag on this podcast for me. Um, I mean, can I can I throw um, one on the pile as well? Since we're throwing one, uh, names on the pile for it, Kevin Thompson. Ooh, Kevin's okay. name has been mentioned by a lot of Abro fans. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I, look. I think in any case, I think I'm... Josh. Sorry, I know open goals are very unreliable source in SFF podcast colours, but I'm led to believe through unreliable sources that Kevin Thompson was interested in our job, which is fascinating. In the Alawa job, yeah, yeah. I, I think to be honest, to be honest, I think Kevin Thompson would be interested in just about any job in the in the in the 
at least the top three uh, divisions right now. Um, but I think, I mean, our growth particularly, I, I think they need an injection of, of somebody with a bit of youth and a bit of driver. I think they need to change things up a bit uh, after, you know, seven years of uh, of pure dick. So um, <laughs> I think they, they probably need to... Um, they, they probably need to get somebody with a bit more... It's going to be able to... Know that Dick Fire didn't have any fire about him. I, I, but I think they just need probably a sea change. Um, you know, can you can't really imagine a, an older, experienced manager coming in on the back of Dick Campbell, can you? Um, you probably want somebody that's... You know... Uh, I mean... Yeah, that's what, that was Peter Head's problem last year. I know it's a completely different subject, but... Mark Canale resigned well, last year from Peterhead. David Robertson came in and there was the same feel and vibe about the place. There was never, there was not really a, a forward-thinking idea about the club. And then Jordan and Ryan, Jordan Brown, Ryan Strachan obviously came in in, in March and April. Let's be honest, started off the park. They've re- it's been rev- revolutionary in terms of how they've changed Peterhead Football Club because... They've got a good team in the park, but off the park, it's a lot more professional now as well. And the, the job they've done is second to none. And I think I both do need that bit more of a, a youngster feel to it. Good stuff. Well, lads, that takes us to the end of the pod. And what I will don't say... Me, don't make me continue, Josh, sorry. I don't think Dick Campbell will be finished in terms of management. I think oh, yeah. Where's he going to Where's he going to go? There's a lot of people suggesting he's gonna he's gonna have a fire swan song at East Fife. Okay, okay. Apparently as well when we're a few East Fife directors, so yeah. I don't think this will be the end. Well, let's watch this space then. And I'll tell you what which space is also what I watch. Forget fucking forget Dick Campbell, forget fucking diving, forget Darville FC for two minutes. Saturday, by the next time this pod is on, we will know who we are playing in Euro 2024. Now, we will be talking about that next Monday on the pod. Um, we're not going to ask you about your, who you want in the group right now, because we all know, and I said it on the pod last week, at Disney fucking matter, come ahead, whoever it is, we will Banjo yes. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring, it, Bring on. it on. Bring it on. Lads, anything more to add? No. Oh, good bit. In that case, uh, listeners, uh, oh. just make sure to follow us on the socials, follow us on your, all your regular podcast pr- uh, providers, watch out for the women's pods that come out um, every week. Uh, and as always, happy football. <laughs>